welcome to the round 10 review on the Dr. Supercoach podcast. This week I'm joined by Peter. Hey, Peter. Hey. And Damon again. Um, how'd your week go this week, Peter? It wasn't a particularly good one. Um, I finished with 2,084, which moved me into 13K, which when I was on the podcast uh, over two weeks ago, I was 35K and I had two big weeks to move into 10K and slipped back to 13K this week. I think everyone's pretty bunched up, so still plenty of time to rise, hopefully. Well, that's what I keep telling myself. How did you go? Uh, yeah, I scored 2,112 and moved back 1,600 spots to 8,900. So I'm sitting just around that, just inside the 10,000K mark and not really going too drastically up or down, just waiting for that big week to vault me up into the top 5,000. Yeah, I had the VC on Goldstein and he got 112. Usually I'd be safe and take that, but I thought I'd... Roll the dice on Pritis, who only got 101, so a little disappointed with that. Damon, how'd your week go, mate? Yeah, I did a, I did a bit better than I think uh, what you guys said. Uh, I scored 2,193 and managed to get a one-point victory over one of my friends in my cash league, which I was pretty happy about. Um, that score wasn't all that great, I don't think, amongst everybody, but I uh, moved down 179 places to give me a rank of spot-on 1,600. So I've kind of sat in that 1,300, 1,800 mark for like the last month and a half. It seems like I haven't really moved. So like you, I'm kind of waiting for that one big score to um, push me into the top 1K. Um, Be carrying Rory Laird for the last four weeks, like most of us have. So it'll be great to have him back on the park this week. I think he's been said to be back on the side this week. Is that right? Yeah, he'll be a very welcomed inclusion to everyone's side, I assume. A yeah. wel- welcomed inclusion. Now for some exclusions, we're going to start off with the highest break-even rookies, and on top of the list is Ben Kennedy. His break-even is 96, and he's he's actually risen up to 343k, which is you know, relatively good for a rookie. He's had a couple of good scores in the last fortnight to put him up there. Uh, Peter, what will you be doing with Ben Kennedy this week? Um, if I had him, because I culled him last week, uh, I would definitely cull him this week. He's done his job. You know, good boy, made you 160k-ish, and yeah, now you just upgrade him to a primo. Yeah, I called him last week as well, so um, I can't really talk as to what I'm going to do with him this week. I was pretty happy I did, especially at halftime when, I'm not sure if it was halftime, I know it was definitely quarter time where he hadn't registered a point, so Damon, what, did you call him as well last week? No, I actually held him last week. I had some other issues to deal with, but following his 29 last week, he's number one on my block to go this week. He's stuck in my forward line, so unfortunately I can't downgrade into any of the midfield options that we have coming up this week. So my only really option is to upgrade him. So I'll be looking to downgrade in the midfield uh, some of the other guys that I have, and I'll be moving him up to a premium 100%. He no chance will he stay on my side this week. He's the first guy to go. Yeah, and fair enough too. He's he's looking like he's going to have a bit of a price drop for the next fortnight at least. Um, along with him is Michael Hartley, who I believe has been confirmed out for the next fortnight, so he's not in desperate need of a trade-out. But his break-even is up to 95. He's 294k, so he's done his job well. What will you be doing with him, Damon? Yeah, I don't have Hartley. Um, I think we talked about him last week, but yeah, if I did have him the break-even of 95, he's definitely one to look at trading out as well. Um, you can't really afford to carry rookies that aren't playing unless you have a full line of defenders playing at this point of the year. But if he doesn't look like getting back into the team throughout the bye period, um, it's about time for him to go. Um, that being said, like you said, with him out for two weeks, if there are more pressing issues like Ben Kennedy or other guys that are going to drop more in cash, you can probably afford to hold him one week as he's not going to lose you any cash. But if you're looking at fielding a zero this week or something like that, yeah, he's definitely one to go. Either yeah. downgrading to a defensive rookie that we will talk about later or upgrading him to a number of options. Yeah, I'll, I'll be holding him um, this week because of the two-week injury and Laird coming back in means I still have that bench security. If Laird was out again, then I'd pretty much be forced to trade him. Otherwise, I'd, um, I'd be faced with what I was faced with this week, which was Kieran Byrne and Laird out and missing an emergency score. Um, Peter, what would you be doing with Hartley? Uh, I don't have him, but if I did, I would probably hold him. 
Um, he's not going to drop in price. I'm sure other people have more pressing issues, but you could also use him to loophole if you want to loophole some defender rookies. If you happen to have some on the bench and don't have a zero, that might be a handy thing to do. But otherwise, if you got no other issues, then yeah, of course, trade him. Yeah, and another issue may be Sam Carriage. His break-even is only 60, and he's averaging 20 points above that, but he's at a point now, 387k, where he's almost just not a straight swap for a primo, but you only need a little bit of pocket change to get him straight up to a premium. Um, I'm trading out Carriage this week because you'll get me Robbie Gray. How would you handle Carriage, Peter? I'm doing the exact same trade, um, dishing him for Robbie Gray. I think... He, will, he won't drop this week, so if you want to hold him one more, that'll probably be fine. He His big uh, 100 score will go out of his rolling average at the end of the week, so he probably only has one more week of making you money, but if you have to go early and cull him to get a primo, then that's the move that I would make. Yeah, we can't get too attached to these rookies, and I mean, if it's a matter of holding him one week and not getting grey or um, culling him a week early and getting in that full primo, then... I'd definitely advise to do that. Damon, do you have carriage? Yeah, I still do have carriage. But unlike you guys um, that don't have Ben Kennedy, I still have Ben Kennedy. So for me, uh, he's far more of an issue to deal with this week. So it will be force, it will force me to hold carriage this week. Um, I do agree with what you, both you guys said. It's probably about time that he goes. Um, the 60 break even and he's made a heap of cash justifies um, holding him for this amount of time. But... I just can't afford to trade him this week, so he'll probably stay at forward six for me for another two weeks or so, and I'll probably look to ditch him around his buy to one of the uh, the forward premiums that I don't have yet. Yeah, I'd say that'd be way more popular than trading out on him maybe this week or next week. Um, he has Brisbane as well this week, so I think that he could score a decent score. Yeah, definitely, he's not, no he's, doubt. He's still, good, he's still a good player to have on the field. I'd rather have him on the field than... Than Ben Kennedy, if you were to hold him, or probably even Petraka, I think. I think he's been more consistent than Petraka. He might not have the same upside, but I still can make a case for fielding him each week. Yeah, look, just to clear it up, I wouldn't trade him out for performance issues. He's a, he's been a really serviceable player in that um, M8 or F6 spot, whichever you've had him in. Um, it's more so that he's so close to a premium in price now that you can trade him out confidently, knowing that he's done his job and he's made you enough money. Um, yep. he's got he's got the wrong buy for people to actually hold him if his buy's in the first week you're still going to be trading him to a player that's going to have their buy um, in the future so it doesn't really help by holding him to his buy and then trading him it's probably just if you have to hold him till then and trade him then that's what you've got to do but it's no real advantage to, to wait until the buy to then trade him yeah I suppose everyone's team will be different with how they handle carriage but no issues with holding him and no issues with trading him out this week or next week, that's for sure. Um, Mitch Brown's break-even's up to 51. He's 299k. I'll be holding him again. I mean, that break-even is... Um, I mean, I know we didn't get it this week, but it's definitely hittable by any means. Um, do you have Mitch Brown, Peter? And if so, what would you be doing with him? I have Mitch Brown, and unfortunately, I have him on my field in the back line, which is... Not a good place to be, but he does have Fremantle this week, who are, you know, arguably the worst team in the competition. I guess we'll find out this week when Essendon take on Fremantle. So hopefully he can put up somewhat of a decent number, and if he can't put up a decent number, then hopefully he still gets his break even of 51, and then I can trade him out at the end of the week. He's definitely not someone that I want to hold any longer, but circumstances mean that... Uh, I have to, and I have to field him, so there we go. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll be trading him out next week um, for probably someone that's fallen in the back line uh, along the lines of McVeigh, and we'll discuss more of them later. Um, uh, I'm purely holding because he's still got a 51 break-even, which is kind of low. I mean, at, at worst, he's not going to lose me much money. He's that solid bench cover, and that 40 is only just in his prior cycle, so that... 80 will drop out of it in a week so next week's probably the longest that you can wait before you have to trade him. Damon, what would you be doing with Mitch Brown? I actually traded Mitch Brown last week and opted to hold Darcy Byrne-Jones purely for the fact that I would have to field one of these guys. So I think with Mitch Brown 
like you guys said, he's not going to lose much money or make much money this week. He's pretty much at a stalemate with his break-even. So I think it really comes down to whether or not you're fielding him. If you're fielding him, you might look to upgrade him to another guy like Rance McVeigh, like you said. But if he's just on your bench, I think at the very least, he's great cover during buys. His job of security is rock solid. And he has proven that he can score an 80 every now and then. So if you do have a non-playing uh, rookie in your back line, there's always that option to loophole his score in for, say, if you have a um, Anthony McDonald, Tipping Gwitty, or, or a Darcy Byrne Jones on the field and take Mitch Brown's score instead. So, yeah, he's not a really pressing issue, but like Kerridge, um, there's no real there's no real advantage to trading him out or keeping him. It's really up to what your team allows. Yeah, um, it is very team-orientated. Um, it just depends on what you're doing and how your trades are looking this week. Those are the players that you'd probably um, be justified in trading out. A few of the players that do have high break-evens, but we expect to hit them. Marcus Adams, for starters, he's 355k. His break-even's 53. If you held him all the way through that fractured finger, then you'd probably still hold him now. Am I right, Peter? Yeah, definitely. I have Adams, and I'm happy to field him, and we'll probably upgrade him last out of the people in my back, in my back line. I mean, he's scoring well enough, especially for a backman averaging over 80, so not much more that you want. Not, not a pressing issue whatsoever. I'll probably hold him till his bite. Yeah, just the same as Darcy Byrne-Jones. Break-even, 44, 315k. No reason to trade him out if you held him through last week's price drop, Damon? No, 100%. My plan for Darcy Byrne-Jones is the exact same as what Peters is for Marcus Adams. Hold him through, through till his buy, take his scores. That should be around 75 to 80, which I'd be happy with, and then yeah, offload him just as his buy hits to someone that played that had the buy before him. Yep, exactly. And we're going to sound like a broken record, but um, the same applies to Matt D as well. Josh Smith in the midfield has a break-even of 28. He's 288k. Now, some people might be forced to trade him. I know you're one of them, Damon, to get in Matheson. Um, now, he's not a desperate trade-out, but he's not going to make you a ton of cash from now onwards, so not the worst trade-out either. Peter, what would you do with Josh Smith if you had him? Uh, I do have him, and I am going to hold him this week. Uh, Collingwood sustained a couple of injuries on the weekend. That's an understatement, and I think his spot is uh, pretty secure. So, um, well, I guess we'll see <laughs> when the lineouts come. But yeah. I think for now, break him into 28. He's only really scored poorly twice out of all of his games, so hopefully he can put in a couple more 70-plus efforts and get to the 350k-ish mark, and I'll probably trade him out in the coming weeks when there's uh, downgrade options available. Yeah, he does look like he has the potential to rise that amount in value. Damon, how scared are you of offloading Josh Smith early? Yeah, so obviously um, it's not an ideal option to trade Smith, but in my position with my, my midfield is all but complete. I have uh, Liberatore at mid-eight. And on the bench I have Ryan Davis, who scored 90 on the weekend and is priced at far less than Smith. So I feel like Ryan Davis is not... Uh, Ryan Davis is the better option to hold. And then with Darcy McPherson as the other as my mid eleven, only at 154k, downgrading Darcy McPherson makes no sense. So to get Matheson in to allow upgrading Ben Kennedy to a premium, Josh Smith is really the only option. Um, I, I admit that it isn't it isn't ideal at all, given that he can potentially make I reckon another 40k, 50k, and his job security, like Peter said, is rock solid. But uh, given the state of my team, I don't really have an option. So. I'm somewhat happy with the amount of money he's made. I can bank the 180k, and getting in a premium for Ben Kennedy in my forward line will probably justify doing that trade this week. Yeah, and speaking of Reese Matheson, his break-even's negative 42. is 117k. Is he a must-get in this week, Peter? I personally think so. There's literally a huge lack of downgrade options available, and there doesn't seem to be that good ones coming up on the horizon either so this might be the last chance chance to get a quite solid uh, rookie so I would definitely jump at the opportunity if you have it to get Reese Matheson in. Yeah he doesn't look like he'll be forced out of that team anytime soon they are going with a lot of youth and he's just so such a contested beast and his nickname is the beast um, I can't see Lepic ever having an issue with um, how he played, like he doesn't require the ball given to him on the outside, so he's not one of those passengers who you know is just a link-up player, and you, you have about twenty of them at your club. Matheson is a beast. He gets under the pack. He gets those free kicks, and 
I assume uh, Lepic would love his his game style. Damon, um, getting Matheson is in, in this week. Is that a, a lock or? Yeah, for me it's a lock. Uh, I think I 100% agree with Peter. There's not much on the horizon. So Matheson may exactly be a last chance to get in a solid rookie. He also has the, the round 15 buy, I believe, the last uh, set of buy rounds. So you'll be able to carry him and field him all the way out through buys and then potentially trade him up when he reaches his buy, which is quite handy, I think, which is something that you should definitely be looking at when um, grabbing your rookies. And he does have that, um, he has a Lindsay Thomas um, kind of duck your knees, put your shoulder up, get the high free kick. So he does love a, love a free kick as well. So he doesn't, like you said, rely on the uncontested ball to get his points. And um, yeah, he's in for me this week. I, I wouldn't say he's 100% a must, but he's probably the closest thing to it we'll get for the rest of the season. So definitely consider him if you're looking at downgrading somewhere. Yeah, and when you look at your other options, Jackson Payne's the next one. He's got a negative 15 break even, it's 127k. Um, he doesn't really appeal to me. Uh, he's also in that Brisbane team. Damon, would you consider getting in pain even if you had to do some sort of midfield, I mean, some sort of forward line downgrade? I don't think he's the worst option in the world. Um, we'll speak about Mackenzie Willis coming up. So Payne is listed as a forward, even though I'm, I believe he's been playing as a defender um, in the Brisbane lineup for the last couple of weeks. And I, I believe that Harris Andrews and Darcy Gardner are both out for a, probably another two or three weeks. So I'm thinking that his job security should be pretty safe for the next fortnight to a month. So he probably will make a little bit of money for for that period, though I don't really see his job security going throughout the buy periods to be as rock solid as it is now. So he's more of a short-term cash grab in a sense, yet he doesn't have the scoring potential that you, you would want from a player that's going to be a short-term cash grab. So he's certainly risky. But again, it comes down to how desperate you need, desperately you need the, the cash. And if you're carrying a guy in your forward line like Moser, like Conor Menager or someone else that's not necessarily in the side right now, if you have um, Jackson Payne and him on your bench, it probably doesn't provide the best bench cover going forward. So again, it comes back to how strong your side is from the bottom to the top. But for me this week, I'll probably pass on Jackson Payne. Yeah, and completely justified. You did mention Mackenzie Willis earlier. His break-even's five. So it's not even in the negatives, and he's 117k. Have you seen much of him, Peter? I haven't seen much of him because he doesn't get much of the ball, which is why his <laughs> oh, break-even's... <laughs> so it's a bit harsh. That's why his break-even's still in the positive. Um, can't say he's averaging too highly. He's struggling to break the 30 mark, but definitely a pass for me. Scoring potential as well as job security isn't there, so there's no really good reason why you should get him. Yeah, he's also a forward, so him versus Jackson Payne, I'd probably err to the side of Payne. Would you agree, Peter and Damon? Yeah, I'd probably go yeah. Payne over over Willis every day. Yeah. Um, I definitely would definitely would go Payne, but I will ask you guys a question. Um, I think we're going to get a lot of this throughout the week. Would you downgrade Josh Smith or George Hewitt to Reese Matheson? Yes. Well, I'm doing it this week, so I'll have to say yes if it's... If it's um, you're in the option, but which one? Uh, which one out of those two? I'd probably say downgrade Hewitt first before Smith. If it was me, I don't have Hewitt, so I can't really compare the two. But Hewitt for me, if I had both. Yeah, I do have both, and Hewitt is oh, he's actually a little bit cheaper than Smith. It is an interesting one, but Smith has just shown far more potential to get those eighties. Hewitt did it in his first week in and then did it last week, the week before this one, just gone, and he got 87. But he just hasn't showed any potential whatsoever. Smith is actually consistently getting those decent scores, so I just feel like Smith has way more potential to make make us more cash than Hewitt. I feel like Hewitt relies far more on goals as well. I think last week he was on about 40 at halftime. After he kicked the goal, got the free kick, kicked the goal, and he stagnated big time and only scored about 60. Yeah. Uh, whereas Josh Smith plays more of a, a wing, halfback kind of role, so he kind of... Re- floats around, gets possessions. So I feel like keeping Smith is far safer than, than George Hewitt. George Hewitt's far more volatile as a player. Yeah, being a Collingwood fan, Peter, what would you think? I definitely would agree to those points and say Josh Smith uh, would be the one to hold, but you'd have to consider the buys because Josh Smith does have around 13 buy and George Hewitt does have around 14 buy. So if that was part of your strategy and holding Hewitt until the buy and then ditching him for a round 13 primo, um, that's a really good option, whereas for Josh Smith, you couldn't really do that because his buy is in the first round. So 
Look, their break-even's only six apart with George Hewitt, 22 break-even, and Josh Smith, 28, and their price is almost identical. So it really comes down to your buy structure, I think, at this point. Yeah, it's not as much of a no-brainer than I thought heading into the round, that's for sure, but I think Smith's raw scoring potential maybe just wins out for me. Um, But you're right, you do have to look closely at your buys, and it's very team-oriented. Team-oriented, yes. Now, Sam Collins is another one. A lot of people jumped on him last week. He's a defensive rookie from Fremantle. He was brought in specifically due to an injury. Um, Alex Pierce, was it? Yep. Yep. He's 117K. His job security actually looks really good. So um, I think, I'm not sure, maybe both of you brought him in last week, a week early, or uh, sorry, a fortnight early. Yeah, I did. Yep. Um, What were your reasons behind that, Damon? Um, well, I was looking at uh, Bailey Williams from the Western Bulldogs, uh, assuming that he was going to get named, and I was kind of planning my trades for that week around downgrading to a backline rookie, and then when he didn't get named, it was kind of not necessarily a curveball. I knew that his job security wasn't great, but it forced me to look elsewhere, and then with Alex Pierce going down for the season and Ross Lyon all but playing the kids each week, it really um, highlighted the job security that Sam Collins might have. Um, being a key defender, I didn't really expect too much scoring-wise. So when he scored 59, I was I was content with it. And then yeah, I also factored in the fact that he has that round 15 buy, which is um, a very scarce commodity amongst rookies and something that's really sought after so that you can hold them during buys, play them to fill, uh, to fill the holes of the, the guys that are out that week. So I think that um, given those factors, it really enticed me to picking him um, it, it definitely was risky anything could happen he might not even make cash he might get dropped this week or he might get injured fingers crossed but um, it worked for me last week Peter what, what did you think bringing him in I was never actually going to get Bailey Williams I didn't rate his job security I kind of hoped that he would play a third one and people would get him and then he'd be dropped the next game um, which is a bit evil <laughs> of Just me but uh, unfortunately he got dropped before that so um I did jump on Sam Collins early because I rated his job security, as you, as, uh, you had mentioned previously. Um, I didn't think his scoring potential was going to be great, so I'm pretty happy with a 59. I know he averaged, I think, six intercept possessions or marks, sorry, for uh, um, in the, in the uh, waffle. Peel, so Peel Thunder, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's okay. He's not, not bad. He was decent for Box Hill as well. Um, so I'm quite happy. Big body, should stay in the side. Um, not much more to it and lack of options all just uh, all those reasons made me pick him yeah and I think I'll if be... he plays well this week everybody will be jumping on him next week anyway um, so you can probably wait a week if it's not pressing there's no reason to get him in next week we'll probably talk about him more then yeah if um, if he even plays all I need is for him to run out there and not get injured and I'll be picking him next week no doubt due to the options and his job security so would you jump a week early over... Say you couldn't get a midfielder in, so you couldn't downgrade to Matheson. Would you jump on him versus Jackson Payne and Mackenzie Willis? Peter? Uh, that's a tough one. I think I... Depends if you needed to downgrade a forward or a backman. I mean, I'd happily... Get that wasn't my question. To get rid of a forward. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to answer your question, I would pick Sam Collins because he'll play through the bye and points in the bye... Uh, playing players in the buy is even more important, I think, than the small amount of cash that Jackson Payne might make over Collins. But yeah, definitely points over money at this stage for me. And Damon, if you had to pick between Payne and Willis or Collins, who would you choose this week? I would probably pick Collins, given the fact that he's playing Essen and should score well. As long as he doesn't get injured, um, he looks to be the better rookie in the long one anyway. Yep, I completely agree. Um, moving on to fallen primos, we've got... <laughs> At the very top of the list, we'll start with defence, and Jared McVeigh only has a 79 break-even. Scored over 110 on the weekend. He's 442k. Damon, you've already got him in your team. What would your advice be to people looking at him this week? Yeah, so I brought him in three weeks ago, and after two 70s, he finally delivered me a good score. Um, he did play that half-back role on the weekend, which is something that should be noted because the first two weeks he was playing half forward. So I think a lot of people, the jury was still out on um, whether his scoring potential was still there given um, his history in recent years. But I think as long as he plays that halfback role and takes the kick-ins, which he played on, I think, Heath Shaw style like three or four times on the weekend, um, he will be a top 
six, maybe seven, eight back. But he's definitely some guy that, a guy that you should could, should consider. And if you're upgrading in defence and looking for more of a money for value option, Jared Ringbay is definitely one to consider. Yeah, um, I've picked him, so I'd obviously rate him. But um, yeah, there's a lot of defensive options this year as well. So if you're upgrading this week, I would consider him for sure. Yeah, and I'll probably give him a miss this week, but I'm certainly going to pick him next week if he comes out with anything over 80. I just think that price is very difficult to ignore considering his history. Now, a trade that I'm assuming 99% of the competition will be looking at doing is anybody, so Liber, Carriage, any of those sort of rookies, up to Robbie Gray. Um, are you looking at doing the same thing, Peter, and why? I am getting in Gray. Um I love the man. I did have him earlier in the year and did have to trade him out, so he has burnt me, but I'm fully convinced that he won't do that again, even though he has been reported, I think, three times this year already. He's got two fines. Yeah. So, he, yeah, he's gone back-to-back 110 averages in the past two seasons. He's only missed one game. <laughs> Obviously, this season's already been a bit different, but he's a consistent option, and I think he's a great person to have in your midfield as a good super coach player. And I don't see any reason at his 502k price and 73 break even that you wouldn't want to get him this week. Yeah, maybe, no, I... maybe Greenwood Greenwood tag might scare people, but he still should break 73 even with a tag. Mate, no Collingwood player scares any Port Adelaide player, so I think we'll be right there. <laughs> um, Damon, are you <laughs> looking to do the same thing? Yeah, look, I I chose Prittis over Gray last week, but if I had not gotten Prittis last week, I would definitely be getting Robbie Gray this week. I think there is not one player in the league that has benefited more from the um, rotations cap more than Robbie Gray. He loves going forward, and I don't think he ever wants to go to the bench. I just think he wants to go forward and be one on one in the forward fifty and kick goals when he doesn't when he's when he's stuffed. So, yeah, for me, he's a great option. He should be a, a top eight mid for the rest of the year around that ballpark figure. And his history is there. So, yeah, if you're looking to upgrade a midfielder this league, look no further than Robbie Gray. Yeah, I'm going to stick my neck on the line right now. I'm going to say Robbie Gray will definitely, from this point forward, be a top six midfielder. I'm that confident. I reckon he'll certainly go big throughout from now through the end of the season. So I can't fault the trading whatsoever. And I'll be doing that trade as well. Um, if you're not convinced on Robbie Gray, maybe you want to save 50 grand for some reason or another. A stud from last year who hasn't really got going so far this year, David Armitage, his break-even's down at 34, he's 450k. Um, would you consider him over someone like Gray, Damon? Um, I think it comes back down to, again, um, which of the heavy hitters you have in your midfield currently. I think if you have all the big guns, you have Dangerfield, Pendlebury, Hanabry, Parker, Ablett, and you're maybe looking for a pod, I can justify getting David Armitage over Robbie Gray. It's what, say you have a Libba, it's it's actually a downgrade for Libba to David Armitage. And he did have a good year last year. St. Kilda do play a heap of games that Eddie had for the rest of the season, so you could see him scoring well. But I think when you're comparing Gray to Armitage, you definitely want Gray over him. So I think it's worth forking out the extra 50k to get Robbie Gray over David Armitage. But I wouldn't jump down people's throats if they did pick David Armitage. There's definitely worse players you could pick than David Armitage. Yeah, I definitely agree. And someone who's a grand cheaper with a break-even all the way up at 128 still, um, you've been advocating for him, Peter. How is Sam Mitchell? I think he's a pretty good option. He's shown in the past that he can average decently in Supercoach. I think he's had quite a few consistent years of um, above that 105 mark, but below 110. So it's not quite in that upper uh, echelon of top, top primos, but he's somewhat around that mark. Hawthorne have probably relied on him a bit too much this year, got a bit tired, um, and his scoring has therefore reduced the past couple of weeks. But hopefully when Hodge comes back, which should be quite soon, then um, they can spread the love a little and he can get back to his good old high-scoring days. Yeah, um, unlike you, I actually don't really rate Mitchell. I don't, I don't think his potential to be even a top 10 midfielder from now on is that high. So I probably wouldn't be looking too heavily into him, but I completely understand why people are due to his start to the season and, well, his last 10 seasons. So, For me, it's more of the risk of uh, being a late out, I think, as well. Like He was a late out two weeks ago, I think it was, and there's always risk of being rested, being an older player, and that kind of talk around him. His scoring potential isn't really the question for me. It's just whether or not he's going to play every game. And there's nothing worse than having a premium being 
a laid out in your side and having to field a rookie in his place. So I think I'd rather pick someone that is more assured of being uh, being played every week. Yeah, age is definitely a factor. Um, it's worthy to note that there are three players that are going to bottom out within the next fortnight or a little bit beyond that. Luke Parker being one of them, and we are all frustrated with him, I'm sure. Definitely keep your eye on him. He's at 523k with a massive break-even. Same with Callum Ward at 544. And even Joel Selwood, who looks like he's going to dip below 500k. Um, we've actually got an owner of Joel Selwood here. What are your thoughts on Selwood, Damon? Um, at the start of the year, I thought he was going to be um, a great pick. He started the year cheaper than what he had in any of the recent years. And for the first seven or eight weeks, he, he really justified picking him. I think he scored above 133 or four times and was averaging about 120. But since then, I think teams have really figured out that they can't tag Dangerfield. So there's no point sending a tag to him because they're not going to stop him. So the only thing they can do is send a guy to Selwood. And it's really quelled his output in the last couple of weeks. I think three seventies and an 80 in a row now. So it's really slowed him down. But I do think he'll be a great option in the run home after he gets himself back together. Um, comparing to him to Ward and Parker, I still think I'd pick Parker out of the three just because he has that huge upside. But Ward probably is the most consistent of the lot. Yeah, um, speaking of underperforming premiums, in the ruck, we've got Stefan Martin, who, um, uh, geez, I, I'm not frustrated because I don't own him. Peter, you do own him. Would you like to uh, give us a little bit about Stefan Martin? Yeah, I think Damon said not too long ago that there's nothing worse than a late out from a primo, but I can confirm that there is something worse, and his <laughs> name is Stefan Martin. Uh, <laughs> he has just... Look, May has ruined his season by knocking him out, Cole. He's not done well since uh, being concussed. Now I'm stuck with him. He's 412k with a large break-even. And what what do you even do? Um, you have to burn, what, two trades to upgrade him to a Gorn or a Nicknat or a Goldstein. Otherwise, you just are going to have to hold and wait till the buy and then ditch him because he's got the last buy. So that might be okay, but... Martin owners are not in a good place at the moment. Where in the world of hurt? What what, do you th- what would you guys do? Well, actually, looking at his scores right here, 95 against West Coast in round one, 112 against North Melbourne, then 106 against Geelong. So he started the year fine. In that Gold Coast game, he scored 63, which was um, just around halftime or just after it. So he was doing really well in that game. And then he had 69, 81, 119, 84, and then 48 and 40. So he has really, really fallen off a cliff. For Stefan Martin owners, he does have Carlton next week, which is Dan Gringe, and then Fremantle the week after, and then West Coast. So if he can find some form leading into that West Coast game where he's already scored 95 in earlier in the year, maybe he has a chance of turning around, but I think irregardless of whether he does or not, Hold him until he's by, and then upgrade him then. Just keep trading around him. Don't um, jeopardize his structure, your upgrade, downgrades, and all that to get him out now. I'd hold him until then, and then reassess from there. Would you do something similar, Damon? Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. Just hold him to your buy, and then trade him to, um, let's just, like, Goldie, Gorn, or Nicknat, whichever one. Well, yeah. you don't have your point. You wouldn't have two of them, but one of them. Um, I'd probably trade him to Nicknat, because I have Nicknat, but you could, make a, you could make a case for Gorn as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, players that we're going to be upgrading to, um, these are players that aren't exactly the upper echelon top gimme picks, so Simpson, Doherty, and those lines like Heathrow and all that, and then like your Uber premiums in the midfield, Dangerfield, Hanabry, so we'll kind of ignore them. Um, just looking at them quickly, we're just going to do a quick summary on each player. Alex Rance, he's 494, he's going to drop a little bit more. If you're upgrading a defender, Alex Rance just looks like he's just about in a perfect price to upgrade to. What are your thoughts on him, Peter? I quite like Rance. I always had a thing of not picking key position players, but Alex Rance, even if he's looks to be having like a terrible match, you know, we're talking six possessions, you go and look at his super coach and he'll be on like 70 super coach and you're like, all right, he just manages to score well no matter what circumstance. Uh, which is very, very appealing, especially for a backman. So he's someone that I've definitely got my eye on. Yeah, and another one in the back line, Rory Laird is just 4K cheaper. He's also got a break-even of over 115. Um, he just looks ripe for the picking in the next week or two. Um, I think you've got him, Damon, but if you didn't, would you be looking to trade him in? 
Yeah, so I've held him for four weeks, and it's going to be great to have him back out there this week. If I was upgrading this week, though, I would probably want to see at least one week of Laird before grabbing him, just because he hasn't played for a month, so it might take a little bit of time to get back in into the swing of things. So I'd probably look at maybe getting Rant instead. Yeah. But given his, what he has done before injury, he's just shown that he's definitely going to be a top six defender. He, he's been getting like 25 a game, rebounding off halfback, and Adelaide just playing such a good brand of football that everybody gets in on the act when it comes to the points. So I don't really think you can go wrong with Laird, besides the fact that he hasn't played for a month. Yeah, and same state, same type of consistently consistency is Jasper Pittard at 455k. As a port supporter, I hands down think that he has been our best player all year, our most reliable player all year. And um, I think he's maybe not top six, but I think he's almost a certainty to get in that top eight to ten bracket. So I don't think trading in Pittard as a little bit of a PID is, um, is dangerous at all anymore due to his uh, start to the season. Um, we'll go on to a Collingwood player, your boy Peter. Jeremy Howe, who's 495k, would you consider trading him in? How good's Jeremy Howe been? He's dominated in the last five weeks. He's just Since he's moved to the back line from the forward line, he has just popped out big 100 scores, uh, which is just incredible. I can't say that we won't move him at some stage of the year into the forward line, so there's always going to be that little bit of risk. But if he keeps playing like this from the back line, there's no way that we'd move him out because he's literally been a you know best or you know top three player on the field in the last five or so weeks. So he's a bit pricey at 495k. You might want to pay for a no risk option and get someone like you know Laird or Rance or. Um, pay a little bit more and get you know those top top primos like Simpson and stuff. Um, so perhaps he's not for everybody, but if you really want to you know risk it to get the biscuit, then I'd say Jeremy Howe is your man. Yeah, he's definitely. What about Darcy Moore going down? How does that affect him? That would surely affect him. You'd think. Um, is Darcy Moore? He went down. Is he being confirmed out this week? I would think that would affect Jeremy Howe. I, I'm not sure why it would because Cloak will just come in, which is great. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think of that. <laughs> but yeah, well, maybe I, if they I, I, I try not to think about it either. Yeah, I, I was just thinking more so along the lines if they wanted a more of a mobile forward up, uh, up there, like Jeremy Howe would be the obvious replacement. But yeah, Cloak coming up would make some perfect sense as well. Yeah, and yeah, Cox, that's very unfortunate, but true. Cox didn't have a great game either. What are the odds of him being dropped, Cloak coming in, Jeremy Howe going forward for Darcy Moore? I guess it's possible. It's a lot of ifs and buts. Yeah, Marley Williams it has to return still, and Tom Langdon, although Tom Langdon is a couple of weeks away, but uh, Marley Williams could be back soon. So it's definitely not set in stone that he's going to remain there, but he has been playing out of his skin there, so it would be take a lot to move him, I think. Yeah, look, I think we're doing a lot of point chasing with Howe, and I can't, I can't trust him towards the end of the year. I know he's a point of difference pick, but I just think there are much, much safer even point of difference picks around his price, even someone yeah, like... Yeah, I'd go Pittard before yeah, Howe. Yeah, I would also go Pittard before Howe. But I can sort of see where everyone's coming from. If he does stay in that defensive role, then he will still score along those figures, but I just can't come to trust him myself. Um, Lockie Neal's our next one, and God, he's been playing out of his skin. The only downside, not only is that he wears purple, but he plays for Ross Lyon. Um, Peter, you're big on Lockie Neal, so you don't even get a say in this. Damon, what do you think of Lockie Neal? I was almost just going to defer to Peter here. No, don't um, do it. Well, I'll speak on his behalf. I think Peter rates him highly. Um He's obviously a ball magnet. He's leading the league in uh, disposals at the moment. I think contested disposals as well, though that isn't hard when you have like 40 a game and you're playing midfield the entire game. I think the big issue is with him, like you said, is that he plays for Ross Lyons. So you never really know what to expect from Fremantle. But I feel like Ross has made him his golden boy with Nat out. So he's only scored below 100 once this year, so he's a, uh, a picture of um, consistency. I think he's. Uh, I do rate him as an option, and he has that round fifteen buy, which is good for for premiums because then you don't have to worry about their buy until the very end. But I think now that he's at six hundred k, I'd probably look to be getting a Penbury if I didn't have him, Hanbury if I didn't have him. Is around that price, or I'd look for a more of a um, cost efficient option that's like a Callum Water, a Luke Parker in a couple of weeks' time. But that's just me. I know Peter will disagree with that. All right, Peter. I guess you deserve an opinion. How about you give us an unbiased look at Lockie Neal? 
Yeah, I probably wouldn't get him at this price. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. One score below 100 is the epitome of consistency. He's just dominating every week. The last, like, five weeks, even longer, he's been scoring, you know, above 120 or above 110. He looks to be right up in that bracket with Hanbury and with Pendlebury. So if you want the best of the best, I think Lockie Neal is one of your men. All right, that didn't sound unbiased, but moving on. Trent Cotchin's <laughs> the next one. He's 552k, and he's been outstanding this year, but uh, simply poor, I, I wouldn't be able to trust him. Um, Peter? Look, he's averaging above 110, which is great, but he also fractures cheekbone in one of his games. He wasn't doing particularly well in that game anyway, but um, he scored 66 and you know, broke his face. But besides that game, his other games of the year was around 187 against Carlton. And then he's gone 107, 129, 104, 117, 151, and 122. It's just phenomenal. He's scoring incredibly well. He's very kindly priced at, you know, 554K. I can't see much of a downside except that he plays for Richmond. And that he is Trent And his buy. And his bias. All right, go Damon. What are your thoughts on Trent Cotchin? I think I think it's the same as with every other player that plays in that first buy. Like, it's hard to justify upgrading to someone that's going to miss a game in three weeks. I'd probably nearly rather hold off till they play the buy and then upgrade to them. Then that's kind of what I'm looking at with the guys that play in that first round buy. So you got your Richmond players, so Rance, your, your Carlton players, so Doherty and your Collingwood players. Trelaw or Pendlebury if you don't have those kind of guys but that being said um, Gold Coast and Brisbane uh, in the next three weeks is what is really tempting about these guys so Delido falls in that same bracket as well they could seemingly average um, 140 over those two weeks given the fact that those two teams are looking really really bad right now so I don't think Cochin is the worst option but just consider his buy when you're upgrading to him yeah certainly um we are running short of time, so I'll get a quick little summary. Trelaw versus Sidebottom. Um, you'd save 30k on Sidebottom, but I feel Trelaw just has a little bit more consistency to him. Um, quickly put, would you pick Trelaw or Sidebottom, Peter? If price wasn't a factor, I'd pick Trelaw, but price is a factor, so I'd pick Sidebottom. Damon? Oh, well, I thought we were doing this with price, no factor. Yeah, price no factor. Um, yeah, when you when you factor in price, it is well. I'd probably go side bottom like Peter said, but I do think Trelaw is a better pick, and I'm looking at both of them for that mid eight spot. So I'm hoping Trelaw kind of drops a little bit, so I can look at him in three or four weeks' time. Yeah, I agree. Um, JPK, aside from his huge scoring weekend, we're not chasing those points. He's only scored under a hundred. Was it in round one, Peter? Am I right? Yeah, uh, he's yeah a couple times actually. Basically, he's he's, he's gone. Only one poor score in round one, but the other scores have been relatively acceptable anyway. Okay, yeah. As a point of difference, would you consider JPK? I personally wouldn't. I've got Hanbury Parker, and I'm looking to get McVeigh and even Franklin's in consideration. So, I mean, I just can't face having 38 Sydney players. What What do you guys think, Damon? What do you think? Well, I have Parker, Hanbury, and McVeigh. So it's I can't really do JPK. I can't have that much Sydney, even though I'd love to have him in my side, just because I love the way he goes about his football. But I think if you don't have Parker and you maybe don't have McVeigh, I'd look at I'd definitely look at getting in JPK with Hanbury. But if you have two, maybe even if, if you have definitely have three Sydney players right now, don't get him. If you have two, it's probably a push. But if you only have one, I, w- I would definitely get him. I, I rate him that highly. He has the history over the last five or six years. It shows he's a top top notch midfielder. Would you pick him over Parker? Um, I reckon I would right now. If I had my time again, three weeks ago when I got Parker in, I'd pick JPK right now. Peter, well, what do you think on the debate? I probably would also lean to JPK, but out of all those options, maybe I would go with someone else, maybe Coniglio or something. Coniglio? Yes, Coniglio at 578k, so a tiny bit cheaper than JPK. See, I would still rather have Shield and Ward over Coniglio. I kind of think we differ there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Shield and Ward are clearly above Coniglio. Clearly? That's a stretch. <laughs> well, I'd definitely I definitely pick them first. I think Ward is the, the best GWS midfielder. Then Shield, I think, 
he's so consistent. I think you're, you're an owner, Jordan, and he just scores 100. He scores between 95 and 110, 15 every week. So you know what you're going to get. Yeah, I'm a well, big fan of you. Caniglio does the same thing. Caniglio has gone between 95 and 135 every week, except for round two. But Shields a line breaker. We're really grasping at straws now, guys. We're getting picky now. Yeah, you're right. Uh, anyway, so Nick Rewalt versus Lee Montagna is our next one. Um, Father Time's not on either of their sides, so if you factor that out, I think Lee Montagna just purely for the fact that he's a pretty much a midfielder. He's running off that half-back line like they use him consistently through the midfield. Um, Lee Montagna would be my pick. Does anyone differ on that? Peter first? Probably not. Nick Rewalt's kind of being used as a midfielder at the moment, but Lee Montagna has the high-scoring well, they both have high-scoring history, but I think um, historically Rewalt fades after a bite. Um, it's quite a significant fade as well, so yeah, safer to go Montagna, and it's cheaper. Okay. Yeah, um, I, probably yeah. would, I probably would lean Montagna narrowly. I still do think Nick Rewalt is a great option, and if you had him, I, I caps off to you. He's had a great year so far. Unfortunately for Rewalt, he does have a history of tapering off, so I'd definitely pick Lee Montagna over him at 28k cheaper as well. Um, Franklin versus Tippett is our next one. Just quickly, I probably prefer Franklin just because he has that pure um, Franklinness, which is a, a word now. Um, yeah, just his ability to break a game open with two or three kicks at any point. He can just score a hundred almost in a quarter. Well, obviously not, but you know what I mean. Um, does anyone differ on that, Peter? I know you, you fancy Tippett quite a bit. Yeah, I would take Tippett over. Franklin quite easily, not much of a option for me, but that's mostly because Tippett can cover in the ruck. Um, if you've got that forward ruck, non-playing rookie on your bench and, you know, Goldie misses a week, maybe two weeks, and you don't want to have to trade him, Tippett just slides in straight there and you're good to go. So, that, for me, that's a bigger advantage than the advantage that Buddy brings over Tippett. Yeah, the cover what does Buddy help, scores yeah. 190 this week against Gold Coast and you put the C on him? Does, uh, what if, does that compare? What if, what if, uh, Tippett scores 200. <laughs> and we'll oh, get, that's a good point too. We're nitpicking, nitpicking again. So we're going to move on. Brett Deledio is our next one. 547 with a high-ish break-even. It's up at 120, but he's very capable of that. He looks like a good trading option. Damon, are you considering him this week? Yeah, so upgrading Ben Kennedy this week. Um, Deledio is at the forefront of my mind. It's pretty much Deledio... Franklin and Luke Dalhouse that I'm considering this week. But like Cochin, I think Delio's biggest downfall is the fact that he has that first buy, so you could potentially wait till after it. But I don't really think he'll get much cheaper than this for the rest of the year. He was on about 70 at halftime on the weekend until it seemed like Richmond put him on ice for the rest of the game. He's Very obviously one of the best ball users in the comp and just racks up um, super coach points. They really love him at champion data. So I think if you're looking for a forward, he's definitely one to consider. Just the only option is, again, the buy and potentially injury problems. I don't really think he has much of an off-season or trains much these days. He just goes out there on game day and scores 100 every week. Yeah, I picked him last week as a POD, and I was stoked at his half-time and three-quarter time scores. Thought he'd go on to 120-plus and maybe price out of a few people. But like you said, they sort of just played him out of the goal square for the rest of the game, and it really pissed me off. But yeah, um, Jack Gunson's the last one that we'll look at. He's 498k. Um, Peter, what are your thoughts on him? Because I know you have very fond ones. <laughs> uh, Jack Gunson has had a ripping last couple of weeks. Um, since the GWS game in round six, where he got 106, he's then got 113. 96, 119, and 102. So his five-round average is right up there at 107, which is good for a forward. And he was as cheap as uh, 440K, now up to 498K. So not so cheap anymore, but a bit cheaper than those super super premiums for the uh, forward line. So if you're looking for a more cost-effective option, then I still think Gunston is a great pick for you. Yeah, simply put, I'd rather fork out the little bit of extra to get a proven 100% um, top six forward, and there are a lot of them I'd, this year. Don't I'd rather get Buddy for an extra 15k, to be honest. It's it's only a 15k more, and I'd rather have Buddy or Tippett, probably. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably just lean to that as well, ever so slightly, but the POD factor is a factor. If you are looking for a point of difference somewhere in your forward line or 
um, anywhere on your field, then Gunston um, definitely is eligible for that. So that does get You don't considered. think Tibbet's a pod? No, I do. <laughs> I certainly do. But Frank... So if you were picking between Tibbet and Gunston, who would you pick? Uh, Gunston. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Gunston does play Melbourne, Essendon, North Melbourne, and Gold Coast in his next four games, which is has a lot of potential to score very well. Ignoring yeah, that, I just there. Gunston's um, his low games aren't really like. If Hawthorne are getting belted, then I mean they got belted against GWS. He still pulled out a score of a hundred, and he was the only hawk to do so. So. I just think his ability to stay in the game no matter what is is up there and he can float into defence. I guess he is benefiting with um, the uh, absence of Jared Ruffett. Which is um, very unfortunate and actually segues us perfectly onto our Cancer Council page. Um, Peter, you haven't had a chance to talk about this. You can take the lead on this one. This was your initiative. Yeah, I just wanted to say thanks very much for everyone that's donated. It's an unbelievable effort that... In just under three weeks, we've managed to raise $932.55. So, you know, we're only um, roughly $68 from the one grand mark, which is just would be an amazing achievement. So, yeah, if you guys have enjoyed this podcast and, um, you know, enjoy what we do in the page, if you could help us push above the 1K mark, that would just be unbelievable. And, yeah, thanks so much for everyone who's donated. It's such a good cause and, yeah, personally very touched by everyone's generosity. Yeah, a ripping effort by the community, and it really goes to show that we've not only do we have the best, most generous community, but we've just, you know, even the admins that have donated, we all just really, really put everything down, put our, our super coach pads down, and um, really put to a, a great initiative and great work uh, on behalf of everyone. Um, and that's going to sign us off. So thank you, everyone, and I hope you ha- all have a good week, and hopefully, all our injured players come back, which they mostly have. Thanks, Peter. Thanks. And thank you, Damon. Thanks for having me. All right. See you guys.